This podcast provides audio versions of live webinars. Please see the episode description for a link to the full presentation. Welcome to Listen In, a bite-sized bio podcast series allowing you to access the best of bite-sized bio webinars wherever you are. Today's presentation is titled Using Both the Left and Right Parts of Your Brain to Get the Perfect Job. And it's being presented by Dr. Wendy Ochoa, who is the Marketing Communication Manager at Mobile Laboratories. And she's also the founder, owner, and freelance web graphic designer at III Design Studio. Wendy received her PhD in biochemistry at the University of Barcelona. That's a city where you can breathe art and design. Since then, she has combined the fascinating world of molecular biology with the creative life of a graphic designer. As always, we'll have a question and answer session after the presentation, so please type any questions that you have for Wendy into the questions box and I'll put them to her at the end. So now over to you, Wendy, for the presentation. Thank you, Nick, for the introduction and thank you, Vitas Bio, for giving me the opportunity of presenting this seminar. So he mentioned the, the title already, so I'm not going to read it again. Uh, but I want to welcome everybody, everybody that is listening to the webinar and if you are listening like after the webinar is, is over, welcome to. As Nick said, I'm currently working as the Marketing Communication Manager at Mobile Laboratories. Mobile Laboratories is a wonderful biotech company located in Carlsbad, California, and we manufacture and sell molecular biology tools, especially DNA and RNA isolation tools, isolation kits. I will tell you a little bit more about my background and my job and mobile in a little bit, but actually what I want to do before that is a quick exercise with all of you. We're going to be here for about 40 minutes, so I want to be sure that you actually are spending your time in the right place. So just brief quiz or test to be sure that you are one of those people that actually use both sides of the brain. Very simple. There's no right or wrong answer. So please be sure you pick the option that best fits you. All right, I'm going to ask you to pretty quickly take a piece of paper and a pen and write a list of seven, one to seven in a column. We're going to use this paper to write the answers to the questions. All right, let's go for it. Okay, first question. Uh, which box is associated with box number one, A or B? Okay, let's go for question number two. Which picture, A or B, is most similar to the composition on one? Perfect. Number three, question number three. Do you usually remember names, A, or faces, B? Question number four. four. This is very easy. Do you wear a watch? A, if you wear a watch, B, if you don't wear a watch. Question five. So look around you and write A if your desk is actually pre-organized and write B if your desk is a mess. I mean, if you are not around your desk, uh, just remember how you left your desk when you left the office or the lab. Question number six, put your hand on your head. Keep it there. Okay, if you put your left hand on your head, 
your answer is A. If you put your right hand on your head, your answer is B. Okay, last question. You're going to a dinner party and you're supposed to bring a bottle of wine. Do you pick the wine because the name of the wine or winery? Or you pick the wine because of the label of the bottle design? Second one will be B. Name of the wine or winery will be A. Okay, so we have done the test. So now I want you to look at your answers and simply count how many A's and how many B's you have. If you have more A's, you are left dominant. So you use your left side of the brain to process information. If you have more B's than A's, you actually use your right side of the brain. This is the dominant side of your brain. Well, no matter how many A's and how many B's, or actually the results of this, this uh, test, actually there's only two possible scenarios. And scenarios depend on the test confirming what you thought. Let's say that you already thought you were right dominant, and the test confirmed it. Or you thought you were left dominant, and the test confirmed this. So in that case, you are pre-intuitive. Being intuitive is actually a quality of right brain people. So yeah, you have those qualities. But actually, you seem to believe the results, the data of the results of the quiz, of the test. You seem to be a data-driven person, too. So actually, you use your left side of the brain. Another scenario is the test contradict what you thought initially. So you thought you were a, a right brain dominant, and actually the test is telling you that no, you have more A's, so you are left. Or if you have, you thought you were right, and the test told you you are left. The test contradicts what you thought. In that case, you absolutely don't believe the test, and you are thinking in your mind, well, say seven data points are not enough to tell me what size of the brain I use. So you obviously are a data-driven people person, so you use your left side of the brain. And at the same time, you think, well, you know, I'm going to wait, I'm going to get more data, and I'm going to actually do more tests. In the meantime, I'm going to follow my intuition. Well, in this case, you are using the right side of your brain because you are pre-intuitive. The conclusion and the reality is that we are all capable to use both sides of the brain. And actually, we do. We do use both sides. It's true that the left and the right sides uh, function a little different. And we all know we have been told that the right side of the brain focuses on the visual and processes the information in a more intuitive way. So the right side of the brain sees the whole picture and then it focuses on the details. And it's responsible for the creativity, the artistic-related aspects, etc. On the other side, the left brain is responsible for the verbal processing information in a more analytical way. At the left side of the brain looks at things like person pieces and then it puts the pieces together. And it controls the writing, the calculation, and the logical thinking.
So it's clear to me that we need both, and we use both sides of the, of the brain, and I hope it's clear to you too. So yes, there are difference, both sides of the brain, but actually the difference are more subtle than popularly believed. The both sides of the brain don't work independently. We work the brain as a whole. Also, it's true that uh, we usually develop one side of the brain more than the other because of the the way we have been taught to do things or because the way we grew up or because the way that we think we did when we were little or many other scenarios. Okay? But it's also true that we can train the part of the brain that we don't use that often. So I believe that the scientists, and maybe I'm assuming we all here have some kind of science background, you have probably been trained to use more your left side of the brain than your right side of the brain. That doesn't mean that you don't have a right side or that you don't use it, but and that you can also train it. So if you are still here with me, I'm going to use that you use both sides, or at least that you are ready to wake up the part that you are not using that much. So let's now go and try and talk about how you can get that perfect job where you can use both sides of the brain. I'm going to talk a little bit about marketing and. My goal with this section is to show you that as a scientist, you have many skills already that could be applied in this field. And there are other tools that or skills that you can absolutely learn. Uh, so you could absolutely change careers if you wanted, and you are the perfect one for it. So marketing these days is, is everything and everywhere. And of course, there's marketing and science. And you have been doing marketing. Marketing is not only the business side of the science, but actually research requires some marketing. When you have to sell your project to the grant foundation or the journal editor, or even when you present it in front of people, your goal is to sell your project. So you are going to do some marketing to sell that project to whoever is listening. So marketing is very broad term, and marketing is changing a lot. It's changing because the consumer is changing. We are all consumers, and we have seen how we have changed the way we shop and then the way we search. So we are more empowered than ever as a consumer. We have information out there, almost unlimited information. It's quite easy to find it and to use it. So we can do our own research, and we can pick our own options and what we like or what we don't like because we have all that information. An example of how we keep changing as consumers are these statistics here at the bottom, right? Like 86% of people keep TV ads. We don't want those TV ads. We want to watch a movie and move on. 91% of people unsubscribe from emails that we originally subscribe to because we have found something else or because we don't need that information. We will get that information when we want it. 200 million people actually have added their phone to the do not call list. So we don't really, we don't appreciate unsolicited communication. We want to get information when we want it and when we need it. So that was techniques that the old marketing used. That's what we call outbound marketing. But that doesn't work anymore doesn't work anymore because it's very expensive, it's hard to quantify, and it's not efficient. The old 
TV ads and print ads and cold calls are not solutions right now for the type of marketing that we need to do. So now the new type of doing marketing is what we call inbound marketing, inbound marketing. Of course, you still have to create a great commercial. You still have to create beautiful designs that you are going to put on a print ad or you have to create that catchy slogan and design. Companies still need designers, absolutely, and they need like the classical marketing people that is going to come up with that campaign. But that's not enough. It's not enough anymore. And there's so much competition out there. Not only in the sense of like how many products are out there or services. Actually, companies have to compete uh, for the consumer's attention. There's a lot of things going on, and for a company to grab that consumer, it needs to fight really hard to get that, that attention. Once the company gets that attention, the company has to keep that attention through a relationship that company creates with the customer. So this opens the possibility to new strategies, new strategies and new tools and good news for us, new type of skills that the marketing teams need. For example, the company needs to be sure that it's easy for the customer to find the company, the business. And these days, the way we all search for information or for companies, it's usually internet, the internet. So guess what? The companies need programmers. These programmers know how to make that company be searchable and findable. Also, the companies need to offer interesting and relevant content. Companies now have to keep their consumer engaged, and they do it through white papers, blogs, videos, podcasts, you name it. So once the customer finds the company, it's there, it's attached, it's a, it's a it has a relationship with the company. So the marketing department needs experts in the field, the marketing team needs writers and social media gurus and videographers, many, many added skills to that original marketing team. Probably the biggest challenge for companies these days and for the marketing teams is to actually understand the consumer behavior and how fast and what it goes, that consumer goes. And we have overwhelming amount of data. I mean, this is like an example, like a graph of how much data it's created every minute of a day. So you can imagine the amount of data that marketing teams have to actually go through to understand that consumer. Again, good news for us. Now marketing teams need analytical minds. They need people that are going to process and understand that data. And they're going to be able to formulate hypotheses and create plans based on those hypotheses. I think that's what we all have done in our research, get the data, process the data, understand the data, and make a plan, formulate hypotheses. So, yep, marketing teams actually need scientists. New type of marketing, so new type of marketer. So here it is, image of the perfect marketer. Today, the perfect marketing is an individual that uses the right brain qualities to create the content the content that is going to attract the customer, and this individual also use the left brain skills to 
analyze, to interpret, to process the data, and that data is going to be used to define successful marketing strategies. I might be wrong here, but did we agree a few slides ago that you are one of these people, one of these people that uses both the right and the left side of your brain. So you could be the perfect mother marketer. Yeah, marketing needs more scientists than ever. And the scientists now that want to explore a different career environment actually have more opportunities than ever. So it doesn't really need to be, you don't really need to be a graphic designer or even like something related to art itself. There are many, many jobs in marketing now that actually are more analytical mind than, than creative actually. And I'm not saying that you don't, you shouldn't go for that design part, but there are many, many options for somebody with that scientific background. You can become a market research or a pricing analyst, a content editor, a social media strategist. So if you could, I mean, there are so many options, right? So many options. So by now, hopefully I have convinced you that you are the perfect candidate for some marketing jobs. So I'm going to use my own case to show you an example of how a scientist can move from their research to a marketing job. This is just one example, one way to do it. I'm not saying it's the best way or the only way, but it's the example that I know best. So I'm going to tell you how I did it. So here's a snapshot of the last 12 years of my professional life. Yeah, quick, huh? just one slide, 12 years. Uh, one important uh, quick detail I want you to note is how much activities overlap. Uh, in orange, here at the top, uh, just place the science position. And in green at the bottom, I place the marketing and design related activities. At the end, both end at the position that I have currently, the marketing position at mobile. So let's start with the research. I have a PhD, as, as Nick said, a PhD in biochemistry by the University of Barcelona. During my thesis, I used X-ray crystallography, and I was working in determining three-dimensional structures of C2 domains of protein kinases. And I did also some work, on structural work on antibodies and viruses. So X-ray crystallography is a technique which results are communicated in a very visual matter. And building beautiful images from the data, it's key, absolutely key for the project. You can imagine I loved this part of the project, right? I enjoy building those images very much. Then I moved to San Diego for my first postdoc at Scripps Research Institute. There I had the opportunity to combine X-ray crystallography with cryo-electron microscopy. Cryomicroscopy is an, another fascinating branch of structural biology that, again, relates in the quality of visual displays to communicate the results. So doing this type of research, I had the opportunity to learn and use many graphic software and applications and some to analyze the results and present the results and some to actually just to sell the results and to sell the project. It was the color, it was the shape, it was the organization of the composition. I learned quite a bit about how to do this, this type of images and how to manipulate these images. So let's go to the design part now. And I, I think I had explored my artistic skills way before I even knew that I was doing it. I had photography and painted and 
but once I discover how to create and manipulate images with a computer, then I fell in love with the possibilities. I took some random classes at the beginning, some Photoshop, um, some Illustrator, I remember. And, but at some point, I decided to actually, I made a commitment. I said, I'm going to go back to school, and I'm going to get a degree, a degree on graphic design. And that's what I did. I went back to school. And when I finished the school, I felt that I had a pretty solid base on graphic design. I had learned a lot of different software. I have done a lot of different projects. And I have met many different people doing this. We hope you're enjoying this episode of Listen In from Bite Size Bio. To access the visuals of this webinar, please see the episode description for a link to the full presentation. Once I finished school, I realized that I still needed so much to learn, so I keep using the internet, videos, tutorials, forums, etc. And I started working on different projects, sometimes friends, family, family of friends, friends of family, you, you name it. And actually some of those clients paid for the project. So at the beginning it was actually hard to convince them, but you know, eventually people realize the value and they pay. They pay for your time doing this. And from there I created uh, my own freelance design company. III Design. III Design started putting together the projects that I have done in school and then I keep adding things that I have done for these individual projects. So I created flyers, some posters and books and work with videographers and I built websites, and so I did a lot of different things that actually keep helping me learning the business. So then a year later, a year after I felt that I could have my own uh, my freelance company, a good friend of mine and I came up with an idea that originally was going to be a website, just a website. In a few years, it become a full media company and a brand. So with that company, we published a printed magazine. We sold print and online advertisement. We organized and we promoted events. Uh, we produced videos and e-blasts. And it was really a full marketing adventure. And remember, at that time, I was still working full-time in research. For some reason, I couldn't actually quit. I couldn't quit the science part of me. I couldn't decide, okay, you know, put that PhD on the side and just do design. Part of me was maybe not trusting the artist in me to be able to pay the mortgage, but I think it was more I couldn't just abandon that science part that I love so much. So I kept doing science and I kept doing art and running a business. And I promise you, I was sleeping very little. Then it happened. A friend of mine called me one day and, he, you know, I saw this job opening for a graphic designer at a biotech company. I'm like, well, well, no, it can be. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like, and I thought, yes, this is the solution. This is a place where I could possibly combine my two passions. I could do graphic design and I could do graphic design with science. Yep, it happened. So I started working for Mobile Laboratories two and a half years ago. 
again, Mobio, it's a wonderful small biotech company that actually realized and appreciates the science skills in the marketing department. So, yeah, that made it actually quite easy for me because I was, as a marketing communication manager, I was producing, and I am producing most of the marketing print and online material, but at the same time, I'm actually working with the R&D department and learning about the science part of it and talking to the customer and the distributor, and I go to conference and trade shows, so I'm really combining those two sides, the science and the graphic design. It is a great job, and again, I do art in the science environment, and I do marketing to scientists, and I have the, the options to see the details, the detailed steps of a marketing campaign, actually, and the life of a product inside and outside the, the, the company, and I interact with advertising people and designers and printers. So I have no complaints. I think it's a perfect job. All right, so stop. Enough about me. Let's, let's talk about you. And I want to give you some advice and tell you how you can do it. So again, I'm assuming that you have a science background but you already spent some time thinking, I hope, doing too, some more marketing or art related. This extracurriculum fashion doesn't have to be design. It can be social media. You might be a social media guru, or you might have a really popular blog. You like to write, or you can even be the social coordinator of your institute. So it doesn't need to be just uh, design. But there are a few things that you have to do, no matter what you have to do to convert that hobby, what you are doing as a hobby right now, into a job. You have to master the skills. You have to master the tools. You have to build your portfolio, and you have to reformat your resume. So when I say master the skills, I mean that you have to master that activity that now you are doing for fun. So now every time you go to do that hobby, just think that it's a job. So think about it as a job. So be like very precise and learn every single detail of it. So for example, if you were targeting a designer job, you need to be sure that you master spacing and color and typography and copyright, dimensions, formats. I know many little things, but actually little things that are going to set you apart from somebody that's doing it as a hobby and somebody that, that wants to do it as a job. You have to improve writing and editorial skills. You have to become very good at multitasking and listening and prioritizing. You might need some coding skills and absolutely you need social media knowledge. Those are the skills. You have to master those skills. Then you have to master the tools, the tools that are going to allow you to prove those skills. In the case of the designer job, you will be asked to use the Adobe Package, for example. You will need to know Photoshop, Illustrator, InDesign. They're not the only ones, the only software that does this, but I think they are the most commonly used. You will need HTML and CSS and Java. Video is becoming the thing to do in marketing, so you are going to need some editing tools. 
And again, don't forget those tools that we use for social media. You need to know how to use those software, those applications. The next step would be to build your portfolio. It's a great way to master the skills and the tools is to practice. One more time, start with your family, friends, maybe a nonprofit. You need to deal with real customers. Paid or not, but they will give you the experience of working with somebody else's needs and somebody else's taste. So you will have to deal with their deadlines and communicate with them. And you might even have to send invoices. So skills that you are going to need for a job. Always keep the details and final products of every project you work on. You have to build a physical portfolio. They're going to ask you for it in an interview. So put things together, start your own website, and put things together so you can show your work when you are asked for it. When you build your portfolio, craft it so that the portfolio enhances your strengths. Show them what you can do that other people can't and show them that what you are best at. And sometimes you want to build that portfolio and target it to different type of jobs. I added here two links to URLs that you can use as, you know, to see some examples of different portfolios of people, but there are many more out there, so you just have to do a quick search. And last but not least, as soon as you decide that you might want to change careers, be sure you reformat your resume. Your resume is going to probably give you or not give you the opportunity for that interview. So be sure that your resume has what you need and what you need to do and when you know how to do. And sometimes you even have to create different resumes for different types of jobs. The academic and scientific resume is very different than the designer and marketing resume. I know you have probably many papers, Unfortunately, that those papers are not going to give you as many points as those two posters that you design for your cousin. Okay, so be sure that when you write your resume, you think as you are a designer. General rules, and these rules probably are good for many other type of resumes. Be brief, be careful, and be creative. Be creative. You are now a designer, so. Think as a designer, don't use Microsoft Word. Use software that the designer will use to create a piece of art. Okay, your resume is going to be a piece of art. Create attention to details, absolutely. That will go for any type of resume you create for any type of job. Create multiple CVs. Some jobs are going to ask for different type of skills. If you are applying for a big company, they might want you to do a very specific task. If you apply for a small company, they probably will ask you to wear different hats and they want, they want you to know more things. Of course, don't hide your scientific background. Absolutely not. First, it's a degree. In many cases, it's a high education degree and you should be very proud of it. And as we said before, that background is going to give you, it's going to prove that you have many skills that actually make you the perfect candidate. Speaking of degrees, I've heard many discussions about the need of an official degree to get a, a job as a designer or communication person. I don't think a formal school in design is required, but I also think that going through a school gives you the basic, the basis and gives you many tools and actually allows you to learn the theory. Then later it's really hard to grab through tutorials. 
Also, school will allow you to work and meet other designers and see what other people do. And there are so many options that it could be a good option for you to go back to school. You can, it can be a university or a design school or even community college. So it could be a good option. But if it's not your option because of your time, schedule, whatever, now there's so many options, free and cheap options out there that you can just Google that you can learn pretty much anything on your own. I would recommend lynda.com. Lynda.com actually is not free, but it's quite inexpensive. Uh, so uh, there are many tutorials for designers, and they are very well done. You can also use the iTunes University or, or just YouTube. YouTube, that particular task that you, you, know, you want to do, and uh, I beg you anything, there's somebody telling you how to do it. Absolutely, practice, practice, practice. You have to start your own website. You have to start your own social media account, your blog, your photography. Practice with, uh, for yourself, for your friends, for your family. The last advice I want to give you is actually where to find a job. And this is really hard for me because, I mean, I know where to find the jobs and, and or maybe what to, what, where the jobs could be here I'm in San Diego. So, but if you are somewhere else, I mean, I'm sure there would be other websites and other places where people advertise those, those type of jobs. But uh, you need to move from that science section to the marketing and design section. And you're going to get to that section and you are going to feel sometimes you are an overqualified scientist and in many cases, unfortunately, an, an inexperienced designer. It, it's just okay. It's okay. You should find for the position where they are going to appreciate that science and their research skills. Again, one of the reasons why I didn't cross the road from the research to the, the design is because I didn't want to stop doing science. I didn't want to stop doing science and actually you don't have to. You can combine both. And if you have that, yeah, the same apprehension, so stay there until you find a job that combine both. I was lucky to find Mobile, and Mobile allows me to combine my two passions. But I also thought it was never going to happen, and actually it does happen. If I have one more advice, maybe actually probably the only advice that I could have given you at the beginning, follow your passion. Follow your passion. If you put your heart and your time and the intention of it, I believe the universe will bring you that opportunity. And when it does, take it. With this, I just want to finish, and I want to thank you Thank all of you for being here and for listening. And I want to thank Vices Bio, Nick. I want to thank Mobile for the opportunity again. And I will be happy to answer any question. And here's my information in case you have questions that are not answered here or you, you, know, you want to ask something later. Thank you very much, Wendy. If you can put your questions into the questions box, guys, I'll put them to Wendy. So let's dive into that. So much there to talk about, Wendy. I think that that thing that you put at the end there about um, follow your passion and worry less, in my own experience as well, exactly the way to do it. So often fear is the thing that stops people from doing this and makes people fall off the pathway and go to the thing that feels safer but is not their, not their passion. So I think that's a really important point. When did you realize that you wanted to leave the lab? I, I think way before I actually did, but again, it's just like I didn't feel that I could do it. I didn't mm -hmm. feel that. There are two reasons. Why? As we, we talked earlier, 
I didn't want to leave the science. It's a lot of work to get a PhD and to get where you are. And, and second, yeah, you know, it's just like a security job where you have that salary coming in every month and well, it's starting from scratch almost if you change career. So, it, so I, I wanted to do it before I did it, but I didn't feel I could. I suppose you did it in steps, then, didn't you? If you follow these steps that you talk about, that you know, kind of epitomise it so well. You identify the passion, pick up the skills, start doing it, make some money, repeat back to picking up more skills, keep doing it, keep going, keep going until you get the result you want. So I take it until you got that job in mobile, I'm trying to remember that uh, scheme you showed, you were still in the lab at the point that you were that you took the job for mobile, up until the point you took the job for mobile, is that correct? Before mobile, I was actually managing the electromicroscopy facilities at the Berman mm -hmm. Institute here in San Diego. You know, something that happened is that, and it's something that I, I want to be sure that people get to, you don't wake up one day and decide you're going to change careers, right? I mean, it's scary and it's, you can because you don't have the skills. So I think one uh, doing these steps allowed me to kind of master those skills and feel that if I had the opportunity of, of getting one of those jobs, I was going to be able to do it well. And this is something that I, you might think about changing careers, but before you actually do, you have to be sure that you can do what you want to do after. Yeah, that doing those steps and building your portfolio and practicing and see how much you can make when you design a, a flyer or when you build a website for somebody. That actually gives you not only the, the skills and the tools, but also that business knowledge of, is this possible? Can I do this? I can like not depend on my science uh, salary. So it is a long, long process. And I think that doing that long process also kind of sets you apart from people that kind of fall on the way up to the, the other job. But to me, it all stems from your passion. If you have a passion for science, then fabulous for research, then you're in the right place. But at some point, you have to make a decision on whether that is your passion. And if it's not, then you have to identify what your passion is and move in that direction and by taking those steps you can you know from the safety of your job in the lab you can test out whether that really is your passion and whether it is something that you enjoy doing paid work for and whether it's something that you can get good at and that way you're kind of in, in a way testing whether the passion holds in the light of day you know when you're actually working for a living in that totally so what uh, do you do you run the test the quiz uh, next where you were left or right brain you're both I was quite down the middle, the middle. three okay. A's and four B's <laughs> yeah you, you actually boy yeah one of us one of us that have that like you know science love and and passion to do something something else more creative you all the uptight all stuff the uptight on the left on the left and all the messy uh -huh. stuff on the right <laughs> <laughs> very good yeah. Okay, um, there's a question here from Megan. When you decided to switch away um, from science and you were going for a, a, a job interview or something like that, how did you explain your decision to switch? This case, actually, I, I had a, a different interview before mobile, and it was kind of a disaster in the sense that yeah, I had that exact problem that you are mentioning, Megan. So I went to the interview and I told them, well, I, I know how to do all these design and I have uh, and all these and they keep going back to well but you have a PhD and like uh, yeah now nah, I know I know but 
actually I have done this and now I feel my heart is just somewhere else so I just wanna move into this new field oh yeah but you have a PhD and I keep like fighting that PhD like they didn't believe me that I wanted to do that I, I think I don't think you have to justify it I mean I think if people realize that you have both they appreciate that they will they, they won't doubt I mean I don't know why somebody cannot change careers but it's an interesting process in doing the interview how to say like you know I just yeah, I have done the, the science and I love the science part, but I happen to love and my passion is now uh, in the design part. When I went to Mobile, I didn't have to fight any the science part at all. I just have to prove that I could do the design. I mean, obviously a PhD kind of prove people that you can understand the science, obviously. And your portfolio, the portfolio that you bring and how you talk about your portfolio will prove that you can do the design. Yeah, I think that's a really good answer. I think um, I had a similar experience when I started doing bite-sized bio when I was still in the lab and for a long time did it before it paid any money, anything near enough to even think about leaving the lab. And I went from the lab through traditional publishing into different jobs in traditional publishing on the basis of the fact that I kind of used bite-sized bio as my portfolio in a way. and. Especially in the first steps that I took in that, I got the same question quite a lot. But you have a PhD, why on earth would you not want to work in the lab? That's the sort of um, the choice you make. And, and to maybe to someone who's working in the lab who loves doing that, they can't see why you would want to make that choice. But on the other side, when it's not your passion to be in the lab, it is the right decision. Yeah, I, I agree 100% with you. And I have to say to you, I mean, if you think about it, uh, for example, the designer, right, in my case, a designer that starts wanting to be a designer and hasn't done the science part, still has to go through all the steps you have to go, or the other way around. If you want to become a designer, you have to go through all the steps that a person that is just a designer has to do. Yeah, the PhD is going to help you with many, many things, many skills, the degree, and, but still you want to become something else. So it's going to take a while and you have to go little by little and take the good and the bad parts of it. Question from Amy, how is the compensation compared to, in marketing I guess, how is the compensation compared to if you were just working in a lab? So I think it depends who you work for and where you work for and what you do. And again, I mean, I looked into design designer jobs before and I was doing it on my own. So doing it on my own wouldn't have been enough. Or maybe that's not, that's not true actually because I never tried the option of doing it full time. But I never trusted, trusted that I could do it. But if you get a job at a company where they appreciate and they take your PhD and your science, I mean, they are going to compensate you for who you are. Yeah, I mean, actually, you work for a company and you work for a company and that company, hopefully, hopefully I will appreciate the degree you have and the skills you have. So I wouldn't worry for that at all, actually, the other way around. I mean, it's hard to do marketing inside a academics and academics are the ones that don't pay so well so once you move into the company that you know hopefully better no matter what you do hopefully from my position again not in design but um, you know coming from the lab since I've left the lab I've never made less than I made in the lab you can make it happen and you can't put a price on working in something that you enjoy versus something that you don't and I agree with you Nick I think uh, yeah you know in some cases you might 
take a cut. I don't know where you are working now and you know you move to, but I mean the the satisfaction and the reward that you get from doing what you love. I mean, I think it just totally compensates those those you know that money that you are not maybe not making. Uh, it's been an amazing discussion, Wendy. Amazing presentation. I think it's a lot of food for thought for a lot of people. I think we'll maybe get you back for another um, one of these <laughs> if you're up for it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I hope, I hope people just you know just go for it. Uh, I think there are many opportunities out there. Yeah. And and you know, don't get me wrong. I mean, if you look, love doing science, please, please, we need you to stay there. I mean, there's wonderful things happening in the lab. So, but if you don't just Go for it. Follow, follow your passion. Exactly. So that just leaves me again, Wendy, to thank you for a, a very illuminating presentation and a great discussion. And thanks also to our audience for taking the time to attend and listen in. If you've enjoyed the seminar and you'd like to view the video recording of the session, please visit the seminars page on bitesizebio.com and it should be available there within the next 24 hours. And then you can also see the other webinars that we have lined up for you in Bite Size Bio's webinar festival. Check out two weeks time, we have an amazing webinar about stress in the lab if, uh, if stress is part of the problem for you. So until next time, good luck in your research and goodbye from all of us at Bite Size Bio. We hope you enjoyed this episode of listening from Bite Size Bio. To view the full presentation of this webinar or to browse the listening series, please see the episode description for links. Finding the right mentor can make all the difference in your research journey. But what if you don't have one? Look no further than Mentors at Your Benchside, the podcast that offers curated advice from experienced researchers on lab skills, techniques, and career progression. With short, easy-to-access episodes, you can get the help you need to succeed in the lab. Visit bitesizebio.com forward slash podcasts or search for Mentors at Your Benchside in your podcast app to subscribe and get help and advice from seasoned scientists.